Here we go, the John Curley Sherry Elliker Show, starring Sherry Elliker and Jacob. Uh, oh, he's trying to get someone on the phone. I, oh, here oh yeah. Okay. He's, and someone on the phone. Oh, yeah. Remember the shooting that happened at Ingram High School? The kids were fighting over a gun, apparently. They were in the bathroom, and then they came out. The kid had his backpack. The kid got the gun, shot the other kid uh, in the back there at the school. The school was locked down. It was a big, tragic story, of course. And, um, well, the kids went and testified to talk about it there. Uh, about 100 of them showed up. When is this going to end? When will I be able to walk into my school and not worry about losing my life? There's no doubt they're passionate. Since elementary school, my classmates and I have had to practice lockdowns, hiding in a corner. But these students also speak from experience. You never truly understand what happens during a school shooting until you live through one. Last November, Seattle police say a 14-year-old Ingram High School student shot and killed a 17-year-old classmate. You think about how you could have hugged your dad for just one second longer or said one more I love you to your boyfriend. Ingram sophomore Julia Barris says she was about 10 feet from the shooting. And that lingering trauma is what brought her and others to the Capitol calling for action. New habit, you have to create a habit of never putting your finger on the trigger until you're on target and ready to shoot. Margaret Eby is a certified firearms trainer at Olympia's Glacier Gun Club. (laughs) Legislators are debating a bill to require training and permits before anyone can buy a gun with the hope of preventing accidental shootings and suicides. I'm a big proponent of knowledge is power, knowledge is safety. More controversial bills would hold manufacturers responsible when their guns are used illegally and prohibit the sale of so-called military-style assault weapons. Gun rights advocates are pushing back. Restricting certain types of firearms, restricting the tool that violent minds use to make mayhem, isn't the right solution. The right solution is to try to reach the violent mind. I like your speech. Julia Barris knows she has the support of Governor Jay Inslee. She's hoping to convince the others to listen to students. You know what? I thought I was going to die, and that's scary to feel like. And we've just all had enough, and we're done, and we really need change. We need change. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. High school kids, very passionate because they're high school kids and uh, it's exactly the type of passion that uh, some of those lawmakers need to hear Uh, facts would probably back a few things up and they might feel a little differently if they knew some facts on this sort of stuff right rather than taking guns away or restricting guns from law-abiding citizens if you had some automatic sentencing that went into place and you if you committed a crime like for instance that guy at McDonald's that is being charged uh, with murder one, and he has nine other charges against him that fired into the crowd there three years ago at Westlake. He, the judge, Judge Donahue, uh, has let him go to stay with his grandmother while he waits um, his trial, right? In the case of somebody committing a crime with a gun, if you automatic, I don't care what it is, you got a gun, it's a hold up or possession of an illegal gun, you could just say automatically bang five years or automatically bang three years. Well, now you've got the person who has the gun off the street with the gun. That would be 
maybe a good move. California tried to do this. It got blocked. And you would also need to convict people. I saw today in Chicago, 20,000 cases were brought to the prosecutor, and I think they only ended up um, going to trial with maybe 1,400 of them or something like that. So when you don't actually, after arresting, you don't charge, and then you don't go through the process and put the criminals in jail, you will continue to have more crime. But in this case, I don't know how the kid got the gun. Do we know where he got the gun from? No, I don't know that no. that's been reported. But it's his parents? I can't remember where he got it from. But you're not going to take away all the guns, and you're not going to make these as these kids, you know, we're so sick of this, and, you know, what can you, something needs to be done right away. You take guns away from people that are, that are law-abiding citizens? Would it take my guns away? There's nothing you can do about it. Well, the kids have experienced, like the young man said, lockdowns and um, drills and all of that since they were probably in elementary school. And so they, unless they grow up in a, grew up in a family that has, you know, people that hunt or people that have guns, uh, I think a large majority of these kids only know what that experience has meant to them. And that they feel as though that by eliminating or limiting these assault rifles that they they will be then safer and they won't right. have to go through this. Unfortunately, the reality is if someone is determined to do something depraved and destructive, they don't always need a gun to do that. And so, I mean, you have to feel a little bit sorry for these kids that do have to go through that. I mean, that's not what school is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about fear and and right. all of that. So it, it, it has to be difficult for them to and worry I would about say- that. I would say to that young man that was upset, you know, I've been doing lockdown drills since I was in first grade or kindergarten. There's been a study that came out about two years ago saying lockdown drills do more damage um, than than you think you're going to be able to ever be able to stop. You're scaring the hell out of these kids, the chances of them being in a in a shooting. And then they say, oh, and if there is a lock, if there is a shooter, uh, throw your books at them and throw your pencils at them and, uh, you know, everybody rush them. The, this lockdown stuff, oh, we better do something. Let's do, let's have our first graders all get under the desk and lock the door. You're scaring the hell out of them. There's a reason, recent study that came out today, as a matter of fact, that that generation suffers from all sorts of stress and anxiety that you wouldn't imagine because you've actually created in their minds, one, that the world is coming to an end in 11 years because of climate change. Two, right around the corner is some white supremacist out to kill somebody or they're going to die in a school shooting or something else is going to happen. So you're creating all of this stress in these kids and you have seen time and time again that you hear right there with that kid that the lockdown drills are not effective they're effective in creating stress and anxiety but not effective you'd be better off having better doors closing and uh fbi and officials following up on kids that say by the way when i graduate i'm going to be a mass shooter or by the way i want to kill a whole bunch of people or um i'm killing cats and i'm out in the backyard shooting off guns and the police know when they go to the house but they don't follow up on it like they did in florida because they don't want uh, a little ding on their um discipline 
uh, charts to show that they're disciplining kids. So there's ways to catch them. They're showing signs of it. But taking my gun away or someone else's law-abiding gun away uh, is will never be the answer. But they love it down there in Olympia. I think they're probably still working on the uh, the scary assault weapon ban. By the way, assault weapon is... Not a real term, but it's one that the media has really globbed onto, the the assault weapon. So, oh, well, you're just going to cause people that are law-abiding citizens to do what they can to not have to deal with that law. Washington legislators, Sherry, say they are scrapping the uh, school lunch for all kids. Yes, and the reason is one word, money. It would have cost about $100 million, if you can believe that, um, for the uh, School Lunch for All program. Wait, whoa, 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 wait. I thought it was free. It is free when you are a student and you are getting the lunch, but it is not a free program to develop and to, um, to have in place. No. Oh. It's not free. It's not free. It is free it. to the student, but it is not free to the taxpayer. Right there. Okay. Well, they they so they've reduced it down. They think it's gonna go, gonna cost six million free dollars, right? Yeah. So this is a much cheaper version. It's called free for all, but it really isn't. It's kindergarten kindergarten through eighth or fourth grade, as long as thirty percent of the students meet the eligible. Uh, federal income requirements for free lunches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's like $16 million actually. So it's going to be a little bit, uh, uh, quite a bit cheaper. Yeah, $16 million, the substitute version. You know what I'd like to see? I think it's still in place. When they first started this thing, uh, or about 10, 15 years ago, if the school showed that they have a certain percentage of kids that are getting free or reduced lunch, they take that number and they send that to the federal government, and then the federal government sends more money to the school. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. It's good. They only they only audit about one or two percent of the applications for free and reduced lunch. So the, you're incentivizing the school to incentivize the kids. In some cases, in Missouri, they handed out ten dollar gift cards to Target to get the parents to fill out the form saying you need the free lunch because the school's like, look, if we have more kids that are getting free and reduced lunch, we'll get more money from Uncle Sam. So, hey, everybody, all in on the free lunch. I have a problem with that because it incentivizes people to be dishonest or at least look the other way to sort of build their numbers up so they can get more cash. Plus, I also, we, we talked to that guy, I said, I think we have a real problem with the fact that the state's stepping in and feeding children. I understand some kids' parents are horrible, horrible parents. They don't pe- feed the kids, take care of those kids, but let's not continue to step in there and want to feed every kid because, oh, mom or dad are just too busy to make a ham and cheese sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you look at what's being done now, about uh, 1,200 students or 1,200 schools, rather, are offering free meals. If this revised version of the bill passes, then 1,400 schools will be um, involved in this. They'll offer free meals. So, uh, you know, roughly 200 more schools will be included. Okay. Yeah, I like the fact that they finally realized, hey, that's $100 million. But you know it would go up every single year, so it would cost even more money. The lobbying done by the large food 
providers loved the fact that the customer was removed from the pain of paying. They couldn't wait to get in there to the state of Washington and to sell their stuff, their tater tots and pizzas and stuff like that, because that would be big, big money. Automatic paying, checks go in, cash flows, and again, nobody cares what it costs. So if you got pizzas and they're two bucks, what do you care? You're not actually paying the two. So next year, if the people that are providing all the food say, oh, by the way, pizzas are now 425, be like, eh, okay, let's get more money. Because once you remove the price, which is a signal to you as to whether or not the value is worth it, you've removed that. So people are like, well, whatever, whatever. I guess food's free. Lunches are free. So good. They, Cut it down. I'm okay. Yeah, and, and we talked about that. the waste that w- that in you know invariably would happen. I mean, because let's face it, school lunches are not notorious for being particularly delicious. So the kids would figure it's free. They wouldn't value them very much. They might take two bites of something and toss it, um, right. because or, or a lot of that food would go to waste because kids just don't want that. They don't want a school lunch. They they rather bring it from home or takes you know do something else or just take what they want i mean i i do feel very sad for any kid whose parents don't provide them with food and they are just above that poverty level so they aren't able to get some food at school the idea of somebody mm-hmm. going hungry is sad i think you know it's very sad um, how about this since the state wants to step in and feed the kids how about this you know that the kid is coming in and they're not getting any food right why doesn't the state step in and fix that problem as stepping in with the giant $100 million uh, giveaway and realize little Tommy isn't being fed at home? So why don't they call the state, because they love the state, and have the state visit the home and say, can you please tell us why you're not feeding your son or daughter? Where's the problem there? Why not fix it there as opposed to just a giant solution that doesn't need necessarily to be there? I think it's because they don't have the manpower for that, and those things are a little difficult to prove. So you can say so-and-so isn't eating their lunch or they don't come to school with the lunch, and the parents then turn around and say, well, that's because he always forgets it. Or, I mean, you know, but I I think it's they they just don't have enough people in Child Protective Uh, Services to to manage that. But for $100 million, they could bump that up quite a bit. If you were going to take the same investment, same amount of money, there you go. Right. So if the kid came in and had a bunch of black eye or, you know, bruises or broken arm, problems like that, and you do investigate that, the SHS makes a call to the parent's house, the parent house to find out what's going on, why does he have these bruises and what's going on, they could go to the house and say, this child is being abused. Not feeding your child, having your kid go to school without any food, and that's a form of abuse as well so yeah right there you go take some of that money and make sure that the state is stepping in when needed to make sure that whatever is happening in that house is supporting a healthier child there you go i'm voting for that thank you sherry well done okay (laughs) me too good job all right jacob was on the phone he didn't get a chance to tell us who you're co-hosting with but he did find out one interesting fact from one interesting person that's going to be playing the know-it-all quiz for bite me cookies the official cookie of the john curly sherry Elliker show jacob that's correct her name is irene and Mm -hmm. her teletherapist ghosted her oh this is good Okay. Right. And that's the real name, Irene. She's not changing it because the teletherapist might be listening. <laughs> she wants to find the teletherapist. She doesn't mind if the teletherapist finds her. 
I got it. So, okay, yeah, that's good. Real name, I think. Wow. We'll have to find out. Irene, if you're listening, I'm sure, I'm sure you are. Find out what was the last thing you said to your teletherapist that you think <laughs> sort of cried? Or was it opening up the window and throwing the Snickers bar out? Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. It's her own walk-on song. But before then, you got another song. We're going to play the Know-It-All Quiz, the Bite Me Cookies, Visual Cookies, the John Curley, Sherry Elliger Show. Brought to you by my friend Deborah at Bite Me Cookies and the Teeny Tiny Lady. Let's meet our contestant now. Wow. Ooh, nice. Here we go. Oh, her name is Irene. She lives in Tacoma. And she teaches at Pierce County Go Raiders. And her teletherapist ghosted her. Irene, say hello to Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Irene. Uh, Irene, say hello to Teeny Tiny because she's she's going to be giving you her cookies. Hi, Teeny Tiny. Hello. There we go. Okay. All right. So, Irene, sad story. If you're able to tell us. What was the last thing you said to your therapist before she never called you again? You know, I don't remember. This was several months ago, and we were actually several weeks into therapy, and mm-hmm. um, I called up, or I uh, tried to zoom in, and the room wouldn't open, and I emailed her right mm-hmm. away, and I bounced back, and when I called the um, agency on Monday, this was a Saturday, called them on Monday, um, the guy that answered the phone said, oh, she didn't contact you? So I have no idea what happened, oh. but uh, mm. yeah. So I, wow. I don't hold this against all the therapists out there, but uh, it no. was just kind of a weird situation. Were you in the middle of a big breakthrough that you'd like to talk to us on the air about? Not really, no. Okay, <laughs> all right. You weren't in the breakthrough, you don't want to talk to us about it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to talk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Good, okay. good idea. Good idea, yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, how are things at Pierce uh, College? I was reading about what a fine um, college that is, and I saw they've got the Raiders, and the, it's a nice place. Which campus? Mm-hmm. Where? Which? Where, where are you? Which Pierce County? Uh, Pierce I, College campus? I'm in the Lakewood, the Lakewood campus, oh, the very Fort nice. Silicon campus. Yeah, very nice. Okay, what do you good. teach, Irene? I teach college success classes, and that's kind of like a. Uh, first-year experience or, or introduction to college classes. So we talk about things like uh, resources and study skills and uh, career stuff, how your brain learns best. So it's just a kind of all-around class to help students get ready to jump into their college uh, careers, whatever way they're yeah. going. Oh, that must be really satisfying. They come in, you, you're giving them the tools that they need to make that first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good. And I teach both right. online and in person, and, and my students range anywhere from uh, running start, so high school students up to into their 60s and 70s sometimes. Wow, that's great. By the way, if your teletherapist is listening right now, why don't we just stop the music for one second there, Andrew. Why don't you just pick up where you guys left off? Go ahead. <laughs> well, where we left off was kind of a... A, a busy signal, I guess. So. Oh, okay. Oh, good, good cover there, Irene. All right. Okay. Not gonna get anywhere with her. Tone and tenor changes, and now no longer gonna be friends because it's you're playing for a bunch of cookies here. Get, uh, get, uh, no, get one or two right. By the way, if you were listening, I wrote all these while the show is going on. Um, thank you, ADHD. And uh, so this is not gonna be testing your memory on any of these. Here we go. Number one, Sherry didn't like a man. Who didn't wear what for 20 years? What didn't he wear? Sherry. 
A, underpants. B, a top hat and monocle. What can I say? I'm a big fan of Mr. Peanut. Or C, shoes. Oh, shoes? C? Yeah. Good. At this point, how many does Irene have correct, Sherry? Irene has one correct, John. Number two, Sherry insists that people that appear as her co-stars on the show should be what? Sherry. A, interesting. They need to have something interesting to say. B, be dead. C, I'm back to the top hat and monocles. What can I say? I'm a huge, huge fan of Mr. Peanut. Um, I'm going to take a wild stab and say A. A, A. A would be the reasonable one. That's what most talk shows would want, sort of be interesting. But <laughs> sure, the answer is? B, be dead. Here we go. C. If Attorney General Bob Ferguson's misinformation commission is formed, I told Andrew he needs to get rid of what right away? Sherry. A. Jacob. B. The big book that we write all of our mistakes down in. Or C. That top hat and monocle. Is there a theme there, Sherry? Um, I'm going to say A. <laughs> get rid of Jacob? <laughs> Irene? Really? Well, get I thought rid that was of the big book. Uh, the, the, the big book. Yeah, B, B is the, the big, big book. book. You're lucky we're an easy grader here. Uh, moving on. Yeah, keep Jacob. Yeah, keep Jacob. Four. When Sherry goes out to dinner with her husband, Trevor, he does what when the waiter shows up? Sherry. A, orders for me. B, puts the waiter in a rear naked choke. C, asks the waiter, what's with the bow tie? You think you're better than me? Um, A. Correct. Good. And now for all of those cookies. All not just cookies. one or not just one or two. All How many? There we go. This week. Oh, Jacob wrote this. This week we let Teeny Tiny produce an entire segment all by herself. What was the subject of the segment? I think Jacob writing something. All right. Subject of the se- segment. Jacob, uh, Sherry, go. A tea party etiquette. You know, I invited you to my tea party, and you didn't even have any tea. Sorry, Sherry. Uh, Teeny has something to say for all of these options. Uh, I, she always has something to say. <laughs> B, beautiful trees and how tall they are. Or Look C, at these beautiful trees. Look how tall they are. Okay. Look at you guys working together. This is nice. You don't need a teletherapist, you and <laughs> Sherry, you and Teeny Tiny. And um, finally? C, potatoes. Potatoes. I would say potatoes. Yeah, got it. Go Raiders! That's the mascot for Pierce College. Irene, congratulations to you. First of all, uh, you're a college professor, which concerns us deeply that you're listening to this show. Uh, but you were getting therapy for that, so that's good. Uh, and you got yourself some Bite Me Cookies. Uh, I am a huge Wonderful. fan of Deborah. Yes, you're going to get those. Jacob's going to send them your way. And the nice thing is you get a chance to enjoy the rest of the day. The cookies are on the way. And uh, Teeny helped out and... Um, Thank you. And by the way, thanks. I know it's not always the easiest thing, especially teaching college kids. So hang in there. Keep doing great work. You're changing lives. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Irene. Appreciate you as well. All right. A lot of appreciation going around. How about you and Teeny teaming up on that last one, Sherry? Good for you guys. Good for you. I I really wouldn't call it teaming up. It's Sherry. It's Susan. Sherry. Susan. 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 She's going by Susan now. Say hi to Susan. Hello. Susan. No. No, Really easy to work with.
Really quick on the uptake. She can't Really easy to dialogue with. Oh, okay. She's in a jar, and there's there's holes in the jar. She can't hear right away, so Jacob has to talk to her. Oh, she heard well enough to interrupt while we were doing the quiz. She's tiny headsets. All right. Okay. Oh, my God. What a mess. All right. Thanks to uh, Bite Me Cookies. It actually is a real cookie company. Bite Me Cookies, thanks for sponsoring our know-it-all quiz. Changing things up there, doing the know-it-all quiz on a Thursday. Okay. Eddie. Thank you, Teeny, for your help today. Much appreciated. She's also, oh, I mean, you're, I'm sorry, sorry. She looked up, Jacob. She's going through the letters of the day. Let's see. Uh, let's meet the mailman now. Here he comes, Sherry. He's got a warning for you. He's the mailman. Don't, don't, don't anybody mess with him. I'm the mailman. As yeah. you can see, I'm the mailman. Don't nobody mess with me. I'm don't the mess mailman. With if you didn't know, I'm the mailman. I bring the mail to your door. Right to your door, Sherry. That's where the mail comes. And uh, we'll get to letter of the day, but first take care of all the rest. Here we go, Sherry. House Bill 1333, TC Mm -hmm. and Sammamish says, at what point is opinion considered disinformation or misinformation? When I ask my wife if I can go to work dressed like this, can she be held accountable for me wearing stripes, paisley, and plaid at the same time? Mm -hmm. The same thing would go for you, TC, if she said, do these jeans make my butt look big? What is the answer always? Huh? When someone what? asks you that, what is the answer? Uh, what? Kinda. Uh, oh. Two five three. <laughs> Somebody should tell Attorney General Bob Ferguson that George Orwell's uh, novel, nineteen eighty four, was meant to be a cautionary tale, not an instruction manual for social discourse. Hugh and Raymond me. says, uh, mm-hmm. speaking of dunce caps, John, did the sisters ever make you wear one back in Catholic school? No. But thanks for asking. You appreciate that. <laughs> Turbulence. Kyle and Olympia always puzzles me as a kid. Driving around the road, I was always told, uh, got to wear the seatbelt. But then the plane traveling at 525 miles an hour. Go ahead, get up, and walk around if you want. Snickers Bars 253 says, this is one of the biggest first-class fart shows I've ever listened to keep it up. Listen to. Keep it up. Okay. That's a compliment. We all yes. taking that as a compliment? Yes. Oh, okay. definitely. Yes. There we are. Uh, concerning your Snickers bar story, my wife would do the same with ice cream. I quit bringing a bowl of ice cream. I started bringing the whole carton out. And then does the, uh, these jeans make my butt look fat. <laughs> no, but that carton that. of ice cream doesn't help. <laughs> Going in the wrong direction, honey. Sorry. <laughs> Oliver and Wenatchee says, oh, goody, whenever you announce that you're going to put out newstainment, that usually means the show will be punctuated by a bunch of fart sounds. We didn't have any today, and we had like three letters about it. Well, Andrew put one in. Just There's one. Thank you. I hope, hope you're happy there, Oliver. Uh, uh, Biden dieting out. Fox Island Jeep. Sherry, are you a captive? Knock three times on the mic if you need help. <laughs> 
<laughs> politically ag- agnostic in the 253. I can't believe two radio talk show hosts whose entire broadcast career is built on expressing their opinions about various subjects across all spectrums have absolutely zero preference when it comes to food. That's insane to me. That's equivalent to an auto mechanic not having an opinion on what kind of car he wants to drive. Weird, folks. Really, really weird. Wow. Politically agnostic. Interesting twist on that one. Ingram High School, 206. Um, There have been more airplane crashes than school shootings, so I say once a month, select this airplane. Uh, They should have to do a drill. Fully loaded plane. Oxygen mask uh, down. Light uh, Floor lighting. Rafts deployed. Just so everyone knows what to do. How many people would be up for that? Uh, manual transmissions, manual transmissions. Oh, this, I'm sorry. Benny in the 425 says manual transmissions are much, much more reliable and less apt to break down. Thank you, Benny. 206 says, ah, come on. Us girls like manual transmission cars too. Besides, plenty of, uh, would be thieves can't drive them. 425 says all the kids like shooting film now instead of digital. They'll do it till they find out how awful it is for the environment. (laughs) That's <laughs> probably true. Disney in Florida. Uh, Todd from Linwood says DeSantis is five feet, seven inches tall. And we could stop wondering if he'll be president. Because they, they don't like short guys. I just want to want, read one more. Sherry's co-stars, area code 360. This show is so dumb. <laughs> and now it is time for the letter oh. of the day. Thank you, Teeny. Thank you. Teeny, take the rest of the week off. Sure. Yeah, good idea. Uh, Tom and Olympia <laughs> says this. So, John, since you yes. were a late bloomer and didn't have any underarm hair, why didn't you just go to advanced hair? You could have been growing your own natural hair the very next day. <laughs> oh, it's all laugh at Mr. Baldo Boy. All right? That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. The very no next more. day. Thank you, Tom, in Olympia, bringing that up. The show is so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> a dumb show. All right. We got another, let's do another hour. Let's really let's try to, you know, wise it up a little bit here.